I don't know. I just pray that you get something out of it. Pray that it gives the Lord a little bit of glory, but it's not going to be super formal tonight, so just help me out a little bit. <laughs> All right, so I'll just give you a little bit of background about myself. Um, most of you know my family, or at least parts of them, but I come from an extremely close-knit family. Uh, the the Vanderveen slash Hicks family is... I never really realized until I was older how close-knit it is. Uh, but there's... I can't think of any divorces in my immediate or extended family. And uh, it's been a blessing. I kind of feel like my life has been on easy mode, you know, up until... I went off on my own at least, but my parents gave me a, a really good foundation to build on. My, my parents and my grandparents did. But the immediate family, the, the normal unit that we had at everything was my, both sets of my grandparents, so my grandma and grandpa Vanderveen and my grandma and grandpa Hicks. And then my mom and dad, obviously, me, and then I have a younger brother named Noah who's I can't say little brother anymore because he's like 6'5", and I have to crane my neck to look up at him. He's two years younger than me, and then two years younger than him are Jacob and Emily. They're my other two siblings. They're twins. So we had four kids growing up, and then my parents and grandparents. And uh, when I mean the family was together for everything, I mean like all the sports things that any one of us had, we all went to. So... We were a busy family, but it, it helped keep us really close to one another, and I'm super appreciative of that. Uh, my grandpa, he was saved, my grandpa Hicks, I should say, he was saved when he was out of the military and recently married. So I'm not here to give his testimony, but he grew from a boy to a man in the military, you know, as a lot of people do. And then he got married straight out of the military, and my grandma and him got in a big-time fight, like a this-is-not-going-to-end-well type of fight. And they went to bed that night, and my grandpa... The Lord doesn't work by visions, okay? I'll preface it by that. To us anymore, I don't think right? Because it's just for the Jews. The Jews require a sign. Gentiles do not. So, but I think if the Lord wants to, he can still work through your dreams a little bit. Because he showed my grandpa, he said it, he explained it like it was a, uh, a freight train going by. He just saw a freight train, and on every single one of the cars was a sin that he had committed. He just realized, I am a piece of dirt, you know. He, he just, after that fight, something got to him, and the Lord said, all right, here's what you are. What are you going to do about it? And he rolled out of bed and got saved. And there was nobody there with him besides my grandma, but he had been witnessed to beforehand to the point where he knew what he had to do. So I, and because of that, My mom and my sister and my dad and all of his grandkids, he's got seven grandkids, 
he personally led them to the Lord. I never really realized how much of a blessing it is to come from a family that's Christian through and through. I didn't think I'd cry. (laughs) So that was a blessing, but just to give you a, a little bit of a story of how I got there. My dad was at work each day. He worked a whole bunch of different jobs throughout his life, but my mom has been a third grade teacher from start to finish. So she's in her last year. She is looking forward to retirement right now. Um, so she was able to, to take care of us and raise us during the summers, which she had off, you know. And during the school year, it was awesome because my grandpa babysat us. So he was, he was disabled after a heart attack in his 30s, and his health was real kind of up and down after that, but he was well enough to watch us. And so we got very, very close to him. And he went with, here's what his routine. You know Augie's? It used to be sunrise, and it used to be something else before that. And his routine was get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, read his Bible at his house for a little bit, go to the coffee shop for coffee with his friends for a half hour, and then come over to to watch us as my mom went to work. And it was awesome, because he'd make us pancakes and uh, give us, you ever know you could pour coffee over pancakes? Because he showed us how to do that. We were too young for coffee, but he did it anyway. (laughs) But part of the things he did is he took time out of each morning to read uh, uh, stories from the Bible. As we were eating breakfast, he'd open up his Bible and just read us stories. Um, He'd answer questions we had. I don't know if any of you remember the Alice in Bible Land storybooks either, like little tiny picture storybooks about Bible stories. And it's, it's a ripoff of Alice in Wonderland, but when she opens up the Bible, she gets sucked into the Bible, and she's there watching a story unfold. <laughs> and it was awesome. I loved him. So he'd read us those and, and things out of the Bible, and we'd have a good time, and we were learning. We didn't know exactly what or why we were learning. We weren't saved at that point, necessarily, all of us. Um, but he'd be patient with all the questions we had about the Bible. He'd answer us all. So, for example, little kid Cole was obsessed with tractors. There were no tractors in the, dinos- in the, uh, in the Bible, so that didn't help. And dinosaurs. And he had to look real hard to find dinosaurs in the Bible. But he would sit there and do it. He'd flip to, was he right about everything? No. But he'd flip to what he knew. And uh, he'd try to make sense of it. And what that showed us as kids was it didn't matter what kind of question you had, you could find answers in the Bible. You just open it up, flipped around, you read a little bit, you asked somebody older than you. And so he kept pointing us back to the Bible time and time again. And uh, he didn't know about the, the gap theory or anything like that for, you know, the dinosaur, you know, maybe dinosaurs existed before the gap, or maybe, there's a million different ways you can do that, but that was enough for Little Kid Cole. Little Kid Cole was like, cool, there's dinosaurs in there, I'm going to read the Bible. (laughs) But eventually I learned enough from the Bible stories and the questions that he was answering that I learned people are naturally sinful, and so was I, you know, uh, I realized that every single person on earth 
has sinned in one way or another. Even the Bible heroes like, uh, you know, David and Daniel. You never know any specifics of Daniel's sins, but in the book of Daniel, chapter nine, he asks forgiveness for number one his people, so he's praying for Israel, but he's also asking forgiveness for his own sins. So there, you know, you know he sinned. Samson was a mess. He was kind of cool, though. I, <laughs> I like the stories about Samson. Who's that? When I picture Samson in my mind, the, no, it's a football player for the Steelers. Troy Palomalu. That's who I think of when I think of Samson. But he's, he's like a South Pacific Islander sort of heritage, but he's got big bushy hair that comes down. He's cool. <laughs> But yeah, he was a mess. He sinned all over the place. The Lord used him when he was sinning. Not when he was sinning, but he used him even though he sinned, I should say. Clarify that one. Paul, all the heroes of the Bible were sinners, and I realized that over time. It wasn't that I was told. My grandpa was good about that. He wasn't trying to tell us something and then help us memorize facts. He was just showing us through the stories that hey, he messed up, you know, he never pointed it out, but we knew it. We started to catch on to that type of stuff. And I realized that the penalty for doing wrong, sinning, in the sight of a holy God meant going to hell for eternal punishment. I'm thankful he didn't hold that part back from us, because that's a, a lot of parents, I think, would do that for the sake of not scaring their kids. Um, but it's important, and, you know, a lot of people need that in order to push them towards salvation. Otherwise, what does it really matter, you know, if, if I'm a sinner? Um, you got Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And 2 Peter 2.4, for if God, not, if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, he would do the same for us. He created the angels. They were supposed to be holy beings. And he cast them into hell when they rebelled. And then I learned that there was one man who did not sin whatsoever. And that's, of course, Jesus Christ. Even after being tempted in every single way that we are, I need to hear that, by the way that the Lord chose to came down, come down here and be tempted in every single way that we are, go through the exact same things that we do every single day, and come through them victorious. He's the hero of the Bible. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that, when, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So I believe that Jesus was God incarnate, who chose freely to come down to earth and suffer wrongfully at our hands because he loved us. John 1, 11 through 13, he says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So I eventually understood that Jesus' willing death on the cross is what finally paid the debt for man's sinful nature. I understood that from Adam... Since Adam and Eve sinned, it was part of our nature. We couldn't get away from it, even if we tried. Um, 
And it eventually took one man who could perfect the law, you know, fulfill the law, I should say, to reverse that in us. And now we no longer have the, we're no longer beholden to sin if we trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Because it was a gift and I understood that, I realized, okay, I'm only a young boy, like three or four or something at this point. I can't, I can't do anything to get to heaven as a little boy. I've already done wrong, I can tell you that. My, my brothers and sisters can tell you that. My mom can tell you that. <laughs> I'm sure my, my grandpa pointed out a few things that I might not have done right. You know, I might have sinned in certain ways. So understanding all that over time, I got saved. I don't, here's where a lot of people are going to go, hmm, I don't remember the date. <laughs> and it is okay. It's okay. Uh, I don't remember exactly how old I was. I just remember realizing, oh, I can't do this alone. I can't do it by myself. But there is somebody who came and did it for me, and I can trust in him because he was God himself, and he gave himself on the cross for us. It wasn't important to me at the time how old I was. You know, I don't even think I was old enough to realize when my birthday was and what it meant to have a birthday party or anything. So, um, but I know, I knew then what I knew now, that I have the Holy Spirit living in me. And uh, it's been directing me ever since, little pokes and prods that come out of nowhere, you know. If you're saved, if you're saved, and I think everybody here is, you know what I mean. When the Holy Spirit works in you, you're going about your daily life, and all of a sudden, the Lord nudges you to do something. And whether or not you do it, you feel it. You're able to read your Bible and get fed spiritually. People who are, are not saved can't necessarily do that. They can't open up the Holy Scriptures and uh, get fed out of it. Um, I'm able to commune with the Lord in prayer. And the Lord's just proven in me that, yes, you are saved. And once I heard that a lot of people knew the date, there was a part of me for a second that went, I, I don't know a date, <laughs> but it's okay. Uh, the Lord has, has proven to me. It, it's in his book. Yeah. Amen. And then likewise, like I said, between my grandpa and grandma Hicks and my parents, all my siblings were led to that same saving knowledge. And we grew up in churches, a few churches, the first one I remember going to is the First Baptist Church of Tawa City, um, down there by the river. And we le I, I learned a lot there, more Bible stories, you know, and what church was and that kind of stuff. And we had a good pastor there. After the pastor died, though, there was a church split. I don't remember much about it. I was too young to really know the, the politics, if I can put it that way, of church. But there was a split, and... We ended up going from the Baptist church to the Methodist church down here. And I continued learning. I was saved. I was reading the Bible. Um, the Lord was working in me. So I was, I was still learning. But then 
there was a bit of a split in that church too, where half the church wanted to keep traditional hymns and traditional service, and half the church wanted to do the casual sort of thing with different music in the morning, and and so there was that bit of friction, and part of that church went off and formed New Hope. Some of you might know New Hope Church, not a denominational church here, and that attracted a whole bunch of people from a whole bunch of different areas, and we started going there. So this is maybe getting ahead of myself a little bit, but we started going there, um, and then by this time, I was in high school, I think, so all of us kids were really involved in all sorts of different things, sports, and so between that and a couple other things I'll mention later, we kind of stopped going from church to church religiously, can I say it that way? It wasn't an every week thing anymore, it was a, if we have nothing going on Sunday, that just part of life for us with four kids doing all sorts of different things. Um, but that's, that's getting a little bit ahead of myself. So in elementary school and middle school and high school, there's a camp up in Fairview called Camp Barakel. Have you heard of Camp Barakel? That is, for me, what youth camp is for the youth. Now, it, I don't think it's quite the same now as it was back then. Either that or I've changed quite a bit. But I remember growing immensely during my times going to Camp Barakel. So my first introduction was a father and son retreat. There used to be father and son retreats every winter where you'd go on Friday night with your dad and your brothers. There was only guys. And my grandpa Hicks came with us that first year too. And I just had a blast that first year. I, I wasn't even concerned so much about chapel or anything. It was, I get to go tubing whenever I want. I get to go ice skating. I get to stay up late with my dad and my grandpa. And uh, I have a lot of fond memories from Camp Barico. But one of the things about that is you go to chapel. They call it chapel. You go to chapel Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, and then Sunday morning before you leave. So you get four chapel services. And that was the first time I ever heard a group of guys singing together where there weren't any girls or anything. And I, I needed to hear that. That was a... Because <laughs> at, at church, the churches we went to was normally... You hear the girls and the guys mouth along a little bit, <laughs> kind of mumble along. But you get a whole bunch of guys and, and boys in a room together and start singing and praising the Lord. And it was praising the Lord. That's the thing that stuck out with me is, okay, there's, there's some power here. So I started growing through that. I'd go every single year to those father-son retreats. And then during the summer... When I got old enough, I think it was third grade through 10th grade or something was the age limits. There were the summer camps, which were week-long camps. Um, and Camp Barakel is sheer lake. There's sheer lake. It's, it's a lake, and the property goes all the way around the lake. So the one side of the lake is the younger kids, one side is the older kids. So every single year I'd go there, and they had the buddy system. So you always go with a friend or a brother or somebody and you stay with them. Otherwise, your family and church gets mixed up into different tribes. I just say tribes like you guys know what I'm talking about. But they call them tribes. They were the groups. You know, at, at youth camp, we got, 
we got the different colors, red team or yeah. Well, we had tribes, and there were lots of tribes, and it was fun. Um, I, I remember one year going with my friend Nick White, who I don't think was saved at the time. Um, and our counselor asked us, uh, was asking us some questions out of the Bible, some kind of spiritual questions. And I gave an answer. And he goes, yeah, but that's not quite what I was looking for. And then my friend answered, who's not saved, and he got it. He was picking up on it. He, he had it dead on the nose. And I remember getting so envious that my friend, who's never been in church, was spiritually in tune enough to get something out of the Bible. And that feeling lasted for probably a couple of days, and then I realized, hey, he's getting something out of the Bible. You know, maybe he's, maybe the Lord's working on a little bit. But just, that was part of the growing process is I had to go through all those different feelings and, and uh, little kid stuff. During the summer camp, there was archery and riflery and swimming and sleeping under the stars. Got my first tick at Camp Barakel. Thumbs up there. Nature walks, good food. And then <laughs> they had chapel twice a day. So it was morning and evening chapel and then free time in between and that kind of stuff. Uh, so a lot more preaching. And what, what they would do is they'd have preachers volunteer from local churches across the state, and they'd vet them and make sure that they were not teaching anything off the wall. And then they'd come and teach basic truths out of the Bible. They didn't get so deep into the weeds that denominations were getting fired up. It was basic truths that people could agree on and that kids need. One of the things that you guys have at your camp is you guys have a huge blessing that you are all King James Bible believers. You guys have the opportunity to get so much more out of camp because of that. But I'm thankful for what I had, and uh, I, I did grow through all of it. Then I had high school. Even before high school, I think I met Courtney in seventh grade, when I was in seventh grade and she was in eighth grade. And that same friend that I was envious of spiritually before, I was still friends with him. He, one of our routines was to practice our instruments in the band's storage room for some reason before school. So it's a tiny little closet about the size of that in the, in the band room. And for some reason, the kids congregated in there and practiced their instruments before school and mostly just mess around and had fun. And uh, one day he brought me in there and introduced me to Courtney and her friend Liz. And I, it wasn't love at first fight. For, for fight. <laughs> it wasn't that. There was, there was probably... I think I, I told you this a couple weeks ago, or a little while ago too. There was probably two weeks where I was like, first of all, I was 14, okay? I was, yeah, you know. I was interested in her friend. I'm like, ooh, she's cool. <laughs> yeah, and then she was interested in, in my friend. Interested, you know, at, at that age. And about two weeks, I'm like, 
oh, wait a second. <laughs> That's the one right there. I missed it. <laughs> and uh, we've been together the whole time. <laughs> Ever since, here's another piece of encouragement, maybe, for the, for the youth. <laughs> the first person I was interested in at 14 years old is the one I ended up marrying, and now we're having a daughter. And what, what, what is that? How many, four, 15 years after that? We've only been married six years, but <laughs> we've been pretty good friends for 15 years. Yeah, we used to, too. <laughs> now we don't. But uh, the relationships that you guys are building, I'm, I'm talking to the youth, the relationships that you guys are building at camp and some of you go to school, pay attention to what the Lord's kind of moving you towards and away from because it it's, might not just be a, a high school fling sort of thing or somebody to go to the dance with. You guys don't go to dances. Neither did I. I went to one dance. I found out dance was not for me, so I spent the time in the bath. Spent the time in the bathroom. <laughs> Getting a little off topic here, though. But, <laughs> but one of the things that Courtney asked me in the first couple of weeks was, I don't know, I even remember how you asked me, but she asked me if I was saved in a letter. And yeah, we wrote each other a lot of letters. Maybe not. That was not within the rules, by the way. Obey your parents, confession time, I guess a little bit, but we wrote each other a lot of letters. <laughs> Lord forgave me for that, too. Anyway, she asked me if I was saved, and I was kind of shocked because, first of all, a public school kid asked me outright if I was saved. And I'm like, well, first of all, most people don't even know what that means, and second of all, most people don't ask other people if they're saved in public school. And even though I had been growing the whole time leading up to this, it wasn't a public part of my life either. I never went to school and was, you know, broadcasting that I was a Christian or anything. But I said, yeah, I'm saved. And I don't think she believed me. Because she, she had just started going a couple years earlier to um, Bible Baptist in Lupton there. And so... She knew what salvation was, but I don't think you believe that I was saved right off the bat. But a couple mother, couple mother letters exchanged afterwards, and we're like, "Yeah, okay, we're on the same page. We both know what we're talking about." And sure enough, we're both saved. And went, "Okay, save that for later on." <laughs> yep, yeah, exactly. That <laughs> that was what. Teenage me went, I was like, cool, she's saved, check. <laughs> That's a big one that was done for me, she asked me. Oh, man, I'm starting to ramble, and I'm sorry about it. I don't know if I'm going to, I'm already way off, uh, off the script here, but the Lord led me to a lot of different people through Music and band. If we, if, let's just talk a little bit about band, because that was 
probably the number one thing in my life in high school was band. And uh, not only did the Lord use it to lead me to Courtney, but if you can get into music, music can teach you a whole bunch of biblical principles. There's, if you do a study of music in the Bible, what an encouragement that is for you. It teaches you respect for authority, that you can say a whole lot more through silence sometimes than you can by being noisy about certain things. It gives you confidence, helps you build trust in others and learn to rely on them a little bit to do their part. Um, I've got 20 different things that music teaches you that the Bible backs up, but I don't have time to go through all those, but maybe some other time. Um, but two other people that the Lord led me to through music that were big influences in my life were Jim Sapp. He was my saxophone teacher. Um, he still kind of is. I still get in, in touch with him all the time. He kind of became like a third grandpa to me because I was probably spending three hours a week or so which doesn't seem like a lot, but in high school, that's a lot. Learning from him, taking saxophone lessons. And it was one-on-one, -on -one and it was strict, and it was, at the same time that it was strict, it was also kind of loving, you know, the way a grandpa would be. And uh, pray for Jim Sapp, because I just got in contact with him again recently, and I've been going over to his house and I'm not entirely sure if he's saved or not. I know he goes to church. I know he has some ideas about things, but he's one of the people that the Lord's kind of prodding me on, you know, maybe give him a little bit of the gospel. But another person that the Lord led me to through music is a guy named Roger Weyersberg. He is Santa. He is Santa. Can I say that? <laughs> this guy looks exactly like the Coca-Cola bottle Santa. And uh, he was the director of the Michigan, Lions of Michigan All-State Band. That, that's another long story, but I got into the band, and he's a Lutheran, I think. But he's one of my heroes because through the band, a whole bunch of kids from all over the state of Michigan to get, get together have band camp for a week and then go to wherever the Lions Convention is that year. Sometime it, it was in Australia my first year. So it was, band camp was intense leading up to that. You have a week to learn your music, you're on time, you're doing your stuff. And this guy, who's got 40 years of music teaching experience, would get up in front of the band and through the course of teaching music was throwing in a little bit to the gospel was given Bible stories to these kids who barely even knew him. But I, I could go on and on and on. But the Lord just used music time and time again in my life to point me towards people that could help me or point me towards my wife or tell me how to get my emotions under control and to use emotion to affect other people and Whatever your interests in are, whether it's music or mechanics or math for some reason, I don't know why anybody's interested in math, 
the Lord will use them. The Lord will use your interests. If, if you're saved, it's not like, forget everything that you had fun with before. Become a, a scholar of the Bible and do nothing but <laughs> hold yourself up in a library and read all day. The Lord will use your interests to help you grow and to give you to get you in touch with other people who may also need what you have. So don't don't feel so bad about the things you like sometimes. Make sure they're what the Lord likes, first of all. Dump the things that he doesn't like. I'm still working on that a little bit too. Probably will for the rest of my life. But lean into your interests and let the Lord use them. Um, back up. I'm not going to make it through all this. Back up a little bit to after I met Courtney a little bit. That's about the time we had kind of sporadically been going to New Hope Church. Um, and I wasn't getting fed there. I, because of the music, it's one of the red flags that something's not right. So I think my family all kind of sensed the same thing, which is part of the reason they didn't go all the time anymore. But I met her family. And if you know her family, they were going over to Bible Baptist Church in Lupton at the time. And the only way I was allowed to hang out with her, they were pretty strict about things. Even at school, I wasn't supposed to be around her that much. Was to go to church with them. So I said, okay, I'll go to church with you. And it was get in the car, shut the door, and in a half hour, you are a captive. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even allowed to sit in the back with Courtney. I had to sit in the passenger seat, and her mom, her mom was in the back. Um, and it was lecture time. It was, <laughs> if, you, if you know Richard, her, her stepdad, I love the guy. I've, I've seen him grow, too, in different ways. And uh, we, all, we all go through our ups and downs in life, but I learned a lot from him, and I'm still learning a lot from him. And uh, he, the door would shut, and it would be me going, huh? Mm-hmm for a half hour until he got to church. Then it was church, which is the first time I went to Bible after a uh, King James Bible preaching church. It was blow your hair backwards, shell shock. What did I just get myself into? It, it was a, it was a recalculating a lot of things. Um, I heard things I'd never heard before in church, but it captured my interest because there was truth being preached. And I was getting little snippets of truth at other churches through other Bible versions, but I wasn't getting the complete truth that the King James Bible can provide. And so I heard some things about King James only, no alcohol. It, it was those, the standards, you know, that you think of when you think of Bible-believing Baptists. Those are the things that stuck out to me, of course, like they stick out to everybody out in the world. The little kids are wearing full suit and pants and ties. And I'm like, <laughs> what is going on here? Yeah, it was probably baby Chuck and Dean at that point. <laughs> and uh, the Lord hooked me through it. I didn't like it all at first. I didn't agree with it all at first. Um, but the Lord must have put a little hook in me saying, all right, you know, Here's the hook. Now you get to you get to sit under my <laughs> my preaching a little bit, and uh, man, I learned a lot being over there. 
it was probably went over there for three or four years with you guys, and then we went to college. Um, and in the summers, we went back over there, and then Pastor Jeremy came over to this church. So after college, we joined this church. But that whole time, there were a, a couple things that I heard preached, and eventually I believed, but they weren't proven in my life for several years. So does that make sense? There, there's things that you hear and you, and you go, okay, that makes sense. I can believe that. But just take, like the King James Bible, for example, was one that I struggled with for a long time because my grandpa got saved out of a different Bible. I grew out of a different Bible. And everybody in my family used all sorts of different Bibles. And I saw my grandpa and I thought, well, he's the greatest Christian that I know right now, you know. It was one of those types of things. How can that be possible? Well, then I started learning it's your walk with the Lord that is going to help you grow as a Christian. And it's going to happen, like I said before, you get the, the complete truth with the King James Bible. Amen. And I understood that. And, uh, but it was probably five years after I first started hearing that kind of preaching that I fully came around and my faith grew enough that I could rest in it, that, I, that it was proven to me. There's, there's a book out there called Purified Seven Times. It's just a little tiny book, but I read it over a couple mornings while I was working at the state dock waiting for my shift to start. And that's when the Lord kind of settled it in, in my heart. Um, so if, if you haven't read that book, I hope... I suggest you read it. I think Preacher's probably got a copy. Um, but that helped me out. There were a couple other books that helped me out. Major Bible Themes um, is another one that helped me out. It's got a whole bunch of little tiny lessons in it um, about different major Bible themes. And The End Times by Herman Hoyt is another one that kind of helped me solidify what the end times are going to look like. You know, beforehand I heard all the different theories of uh, pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation rapture, and all that kind of stuff, and, and that book kind of helped settle that. And then alcohol was another big one that I had to get proven in my mind. And even before I started going to church at Bible Believers Church there, I had already determined in my mind I wasn't going to drink alcohol when I turned 21. It, that decision was already in my mind. But hearing that it was inherently wrong kind of challenged me a little bit. Because I, I saw in my family, there were a whole bunch of people who drank responsibly, in quotes, you know. And I never saw anybody drunk. I never, we never had any problems with it that I could see as a kid. Um, and so it challenged me when I heard all alcohol is wrong, and there's enough in here to make you doubt it, you know? And I never really realized why until the preacher was saying one time, if you go to the Bible with a wrong heart or a wrong motive, then the Lord will use the Bible to deceive you. And I think a lot of people are deceived 
you got a multitude of verses that say, stay away from the stuff, and a few that make you go, well, they used it here for this, or does that new wine seems to have made people drunk? There's enough in there to make you doubt, and I think the Lord will, will, if you don't study, will allow that stuff to happen to you. But those are just a couple of things that I had to grow on, and there are several things now that I'm still growing on. Um, so if you're having those kind of doubts that the things you're hearing preaching aren't quite settled yet, it's okay. If the Lord is working on you, you know you're in the right spot. If you get to a point where you're sitting in church and you go, yep, I knew that, I got that done, uh, don't really need to work on anything, Lord's not leading me in any other direction, then I think there's probably a problem. You need to pray and, and figure out what the Lord's doing with you. Because to stay on the straight and narrow path, what I've learned is it's really easy to, even if you're looking down there, it's easy to kind of get sucked one way by other people or get distracted by something. And if you're not feeling the Lord kind of push you back towards center, it's every day for me. If you don't feel the Lord doing that to you every day, then maybe check out your heart a little bit. Maybe get in the Word and ask the Lord, is there something between you and me that's keeping us uh, not walking together? Start to feel yourself drift. There's been times in my life, so um, my senior year of high school and into my first years of college, there were times in my life where I felt on fire for the Lord. It was about three years after I started going to Bible Believers or Bible Baptist Church, and I was learning things, and I, the Lord helped me lead a kid to salvation in high school. Um, after college, I learned Chinese. I started tutoring a Chinese girl in English. She was in third grade. Her parents didn't, her grandparents didn't speak any English at all, so she was having trouble. I was tutoring her for 12 hours a week before I had a job, and the Lord used the Chinese I learned for whatever reason to help her get saved. And I've been saved 20 plus years now. It's only those two people I've led to Christ so far. And that gets to me sometimes because I know I could have had more or that I should have had more. I've had more opportunities that I haven't taken. And the devil has used that to get me to doubt some things, you know. But it's encouraging to hear the pastor say about the tree bringing forth his fruit in his season that, okay, there are things I've messed up, but it might not also be that I'm helping somebody come to the Lord every other year, you know, or something like that. The Lord's steering my heart towards certain people, and knowing that helps me. There's something for me to do. I can choose. He gave me free will. I can choose to do it or not to do it, but the Lord's still giving me opportunities, so pray for me on that too. Um, some people at work, like I said, Jim Sapp, there are some college friends that I'm still good friends with that don't necessarily know the gospel. Um, so 
Lord's, the Lord's still working on me. But I guess I didn't quite get to where I thought I was going to get to, but I think this is a, a good enough kind of closing point. And I'm sorry, I'm kind of directing this towards the youth because I've only been the youth so far, so I don't have... <laughs> and I, I, I think the youth nowadays could use a little bit of encouragement um, because even since I was in school, schools are different now. And uh, I think you need a little bit of encouragement. The biggest things I can leave you with are check your walk with the Lord every day. Be praying with Him and say, okay, I don't know what happened yesterday, or maybe yesterday was a good day, but that's behind. Where are we now? Can we get centered before this day starts and before I go to work and everything goes to chaos? Recenter, ask the Lord where you're at. Make sure your sin account is taken care of um, and allow the Lord to lead you throughout the day. And then number two, it's the same things you already know. You already know this. Get in your word every day. Maybe the morning's best. Maybe it's in the evening. I've found that the evening is sometimes where I'm most settled or my mind's clear enough. I can remember things after I, after I sleep on it. Um, but I'll be the first to admit, and maybe this will encourage you, maybe this will discourage you. I don't know. I don't get in my Bible every day like I should either, you know. I'm just speaking for myself here. There are some days where it all goes by and you go, oh man, that happened again? If the Lord's working on you, listen to him. Make some of those changes that he's telling you to make. If you don't think you ever need to change, then you're in the wrong spot. But pray for one another. Every single one of you, including me, is going through something, a challenge that the Lord has told us to do that we're not doing right now, or maybe are we doing the, we are doing the Lord's will and we're getting persecution out there for it. Pray for one another. You guys are the best resource here besides the King James Bible, which is your biggest resource, and the Lord living in you if you're saved. You guys to me, are some of the, you guys are the best friends that I've ever had. I know I can go with you, go to you with anything. I haven't ever been in a church that is this close-knit, that is this unified about things and encourages one another. There's things that you go through that you can't share with each other that sometimes there's things you go through you can't even share with family. It's, it's just you, and it's just you and the Lord, and it grinds you down, and then you realize, okay, I need to get back in the Word, I need to pray. There's what the Lord has for me. He can get you through it. So, I'm sorry if I've rambled a little bit. I'm sorry if I uh, went off track, but I just wanted to give you a little bit about how the Lord's moved in my life. Yes, my parents and my grandparents gave me the best start that I could have ever had, and it protected me for a long ways. But there comes a day, and for some of you I know, it's already come. Some of you have 
been through things that I might never go through in my entire life. The Lord is there with you, and he'll give you a way through. Stay in your word. Stay in his word, I should say. And even if you can't tell somebody what you're going through, lean on them a little bit. Say, I've got an unspoken prayer request. I've got something I'm going through. I need your prayer. The Lord works through the local church here. The Lord works through you guys. The Lord affects me through you guys. And I'm really thankful for everything we have here. I'm thankful for all of you. And I don't know how to close, so I'm just going to close. <laughs> Please be in prayer for Pastor Evans, as I guess he had kind of a rough night last night with the pain, and tonight might be similar. I hope not, but I can't imagine that's an easy thing to recover from. So just be in prayer for him. I think he, the original plan was he was going to be here on Sunday. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but... Um, just just pray for his recovery and that his pain would be manageable, okay? And if he's able to be here and preach, he is a better man than I am. <laughs> but if not, Brother Josh Hoffman will be here, um, and I hope you'll come out and give him a little bit of encouragement too. Let him encourage you. Uh, every single time he's here, I get something from him. So. All right. Thank you for listening to me. I guess we'll just we'll pray here and we'll be dismissed. Lord, I'm thankful for everything that you've done for me once again. I'm thankful for everything that you're doing here in this church. You've given us a little bit of a treasure here in this giant building that people drive past all the time and never really take a second look at, Lord. Help us not to take it for granted. And help us, with our walk with you, always be looking for that feeling. Not, not the feeling, but the the direction, Lord, from you. Lord, to know it comes directly out of your word if we're reading it. And if we're not reading it, maybe we're going to miss it. Help us to stay in your word. Help us to be praying for each other. And help us be a light out there in the world as we're going about our daily lives and uh, getting caught up in the, the busyness out there. Help us not to lose sight of who we are, that we are your children, Lord, that we're children of God and we're going to heaven one day. And there's people out there who are looking at us and looking at, there's something different about that person. Just guide us, Lord. Thank you again for all that you do for us. Thank you for the King James Bible. Thank you for leaving us something that we can rest on and get direction from. And thank you for sending your son down to the cross. Thank you for choosing to come down for us. Even though we don't deserve it, even though we've done everything in our power to get rid of you, Lord. We put you on the cross ourselves. Thank you for being faithful to us. Thank you for dying for our sins and going to hell for us so that we don't have to. Just pray that you'd be with each one of us tonight as we go about our ways. Give us safety on the way home. Help us to be who you need us to be the rest of this week here. And if you don't come back before it, Lord, help us to come back here on Sunday, be with Brother Josh Hoffman as he prepares, and be with Pastor as he recovers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.